Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, and I will tell you this. When people have asked me over the last couple of months, Greeny, why did you want to come back to radio? It's because of days like today. Just sit back. I'm ready to go. I'm going to need extra hours. Call Max. Tell him I need some more time. I have a lot to talk about today. I'm going to say the last thing in the world you were expecting anyone to say about the World Series last night. The last thing you were expecting to hear. Have that in a moment. Jeff Passon is standing by. Get to him in a minute on all the baseball stuff. But let me very quickly update you when Heather Dinich is going to jump in in a half hour on this news from the Big Ten, and it is not good. Saturday's game between Wisconsin and Nebraska has been canceled. It will not be rescheduled. Wisconsin says 12 people, six players, six staff associated with the football team have tested positive for COVID in the last five days, including head coach Paul Christ, who is isolating and says he is asymptomatic. An Illinois spokesman says he's not aware of any positive tests on that team as of Wednesday morning. Illinois played Wisconsin on Friday night. And so it begins in the Big Ten a conference that left itself no wiggle room. Again, no criticism here. Safe ahead of sorry. I am all good with the Big Ten being as cautious as they have been. It is more important that everyone is healthy than it is that the football games get played. But the reality is, they left themselves no wiggle room. Games that cannot be played as scheduled are not going to be rescheduled. So the first of the cancellations has now come. Canceled. Over. Not happening this weekend. And well, will, when will Wisconsin be able to play again? No one knows that for certain. What becomes of the Big Ten schedule? We will keep a close eye on it. Again, Heather Dinich in a half hour. So we'll talk about that with her. But right now, I want to bring Jeff Passan into the conversation, one of my absolute favorite people to talk about anything with. And we will talk baseball together as he joins me on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line, Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Hello again, Jeff Passan. Hello, Granny. How are you? Well, I'm fine. And I'm about to say to you and to everyone, the last thing in the world you were expecting me to say. But here it is. Are you ready? I actually was hoping you would do this while I was on, so I didn't have to continue listening because I need to go to bed. Well, let's so make it ahead. clear. It. You should continue listening anyway. That that should be a <laughs> I know, given. I See, I knew it. You know what, man? I, I, all morning long, I have avoided saying something stupid. And the last hit of the day, I say something and put my freaking foot in my mouth. So please, I'm going to give the floor to you, this being your show and all. And you're going to tell me the last thing I expected to hear. Okay. Well, I assure you that after I say this, no one is going to remember you saying anything stupid. They're all going to think <laughs> I did. And here it comes. Kevin Cash, the manager of Tampa Bay, did exactly the right thing taking Blake Snell out of that game when he did last night, and I can prove it. What do you think of that, Jeff Passan? I would love to hear your argument here because I think there is a reasonable argument for it. Here is what Kevin Cash said after he took out his starting pitcher, Blake Snell, who was dealing last night. He said, I didn't want Mookie or Seager seeing Blake for a third time. This season, when facing the opposing batting order for the third time, Blake Snell's ERA was 10.13. 
He allowed an OPS of 960. Both of those figures rank in the bottom five of all pitchers to start at least a dozen games this season. But wait, there's more. In game two, Snell, who also had nine strikeouts at that time, allowed a home run to the number nine hitter, then walked Mookie Betts and allowed a single on a lazy slider to Corey Seager. Kevin Cash immediately brought in Nick Anderson, who struck out Justin Turner to end the inning. The home run was Snell's 80th pitch. The single was his 88th. Last night, he allowed a single to the ninth hitter, Austin Barnes, on a lazy slider, very similar to the one that Seager hit in Game 2. Cash was watching history repeat itself. He went and did what he's done all year. Sometimes you hit on 16 against a face card and you lose. It doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. Jeff Passan, what do you think? I think most of that is reasonable. Here's the part where I think we need to really delve into the number screening. If you actually look at Blake Snell the second time through the order, his numbers are worse than they are the third time through. The problem with the third time through the order with Blake Snell, Greeny, is that he really didn't do it very much this year. He still has not thrown more than five and two-thirds innings since July of 2019. Mm-hmm. If you go and look at him, he only had, I believe, 23 plate appearances. Eh, it was 23 at-bats, not plate appearances. 23 at-bats the third time through the order. The second time through the order, on the other hand, OPS of 977. And he had done a pretty good job going through the order the second time there. I think the reason that Kevin Cash uh, is understandably getting raked over the coals here is because Blake Snell's stuff was really good up until the point where he was pulled. Now, that is not to say that he would have continued pitching the way that he had beforehand. And I think that's a really important point to make. Just because you've done something up until a particular point does not mean that you're going to continue doing it afterward. And if you look at the last fastball he threw Greeny, it was only 94.3 miles per hour compared to the 96 he was averaging for most of the night. Now, he might have come back and thrown the next pitch at 96 or 97, And I would have sat here and said, okay, he's still got stuff. Uh, You know, it's still looking good. But uh, what's in favor of Kevin Cash here, and and the frustrating part to me is seeing that Dave Roberts did the exact same thing with Clayton Kershaw the night before, and nobody's accusing the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers of pandering to analytics in the same way they are the Tampa Bay Rays. I think analytics are a very easy boogeyman because people are scared of numbers, because they're scared of something new, because they're scared of something that they don't understand. So you just sit here and blame it. That, that's well said, and that is the point. Analytics are, are the perfect example of attaching a scary name to something that really isn't very scary. Analytics could otherwise be described as, here are all the things that have happened. <laughs> right. These are the things that have happened. Let me change the name of it. Just get an acronym for things that have happened. What is that? T-T-H, whatever. I'm doing a show. I don't have time to figure that out. 
But you know what I'm trying to say. These are the things that have happened for crying out loud. You know what else has happened? Nick Anderson this season allowed, had 14 inherited runners on the entire year. He allowed one of them to score. He allowed as many inherited runners to score last night as he did the entire season. Sometimes the manager does the right thing and it works out wrong. I can keep going. Blake Snell, on his batting line this season from pitch 75 on, he allowed hitters to hit at 340. 49 was the batting average, and the OPS was 1,091. When facing Snell after his 75th pitch, every batter in baseball became Lou Gehrig. And the bottom line of it is this isn't that complicated, Jeff. Sometimes you do the right thing, and it doesn't work. I guess that's the lot in life of a baseball manager, but that's what Kevin Cash did last night. Greeny, remember what Kevin Cash did in Game 7 of the ALCS? The Rays had blown a 3-0 lead against the Houston Astros, and Charlie Morton came out and was absolutely brilliant. Sixth inning rolls around. Charlie Morton gets a runner on base, and what does he do? Brings in Nick Anderson, and Nick Anderson gets out of that jam. Now, I will say this. Nick Anderson during the postseason was not the same as Nick Anderson during the regular season. He gave up runs in seven consecutive outings. That's a record. That's a hard thing to do. So if there's criticism of Kevin Cash in this situation, maybe it's that he brought in the wrong guy. I think that's actually a fairly reasonable criticism at this point. Uh, I also think if you're looking at Snell and that 349 average and the Lou Gehrig line that you're talking about, uh, we also have to admit that Blake Snell's stuff last night was a lot crisper and a lot better, and he had a lot more control of the strike zone than he did in some of those other outings that he had. And I think that's important context as well. And that, if you're going to criticize Kevin Cash, is where the criticism lands. It's the fact that Blake Snell is so good in that moment, sometimes you have to look past the numbers and and go on feeling. Kevin Cash is not a dumb guy. Kevin Cash is not a puppet. Kevin Cash is one of the best managers in Major League Baseball. He's the guy who leveraged this Tampa Bay Rays team that was clearly less talented than the Los Angeles Dodgers into a series that went to six and could have gone to seven games. And, and what Kevin Cash did in the end was stick with what brought him there. And you know what? If you're consistent, if you're process-oriented, that's the sort of thing that you do and the sort of thing that I have a difficult time arguing with because I think if the Tampa Bay Rays managed themselves on field the entire season, they would not have been nearly as effective a team as they were. If they managed themselves the way that other organizations do, where the idea of a four-man outfield would be laughed at, where – uh, you know, a couple of years ago when the opener didn't exist and the Rays tried that out, and now it's standard across all of baseball. It's not like this is a team that abides so much by the analytics that it's to their detriment. It has been to their great benefit for the majority of times that they've gone to this. This just happened to be one in a key and crucial situation, and it went wrong. And just because it went wrong, doesn't mean necessarily that it was the wrong decision. Uh, I know a lot of people have a difficult time with the idea that process is more important than outcome. It just so happens that uh, in Game 6 of the World Series, when you're fighting for your life, outcome is all that matters. Jeff Passan and Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. He's on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Let me take this a step further. 
The Tampa, Ray, Tampa Bay Rays are a team that was in the World Series and had the best record in the American League this year when their entire payroll is worth less than the homes of half the Yankees. Right, half the Yankees own a house that costs more money than the entire payroll of the Tampa Bay Rays. Right, Mookie Betts gets paid more in his contract than the Rays will spend on salaries from now until the year three thousand, and yet there they were in the World Series with them last night. And let me go another step further on this pass, and while I have you here, you know what I'm old enough to remember? I'm old enough to remember Matt Harvey talking his way into a few more batters in Game 5 of the World Series five years ago. I'm old enough to remember Pedro Martinez talking Grady Little into leaving him in a game about 15 years ago. How did those work out? And the bottom line of it is we romanticize this idea of the pitcher who wants the ball. But at the end of the day, the manager makes that call. He's made the right call all year long. I obviously am not arguing it turned out right We can't judge these decisions based on how they turn out. We can only judge them based upon the information that the guy was working with when he made it. And when he did it, it wasn't the wrong thing to do. That's all I'm trying to say. So, Greeny, let's pull back and do a little 30,000-foot look here because I think this is what the upshot is going to be of this decision. It's not a question of whether it was a right or wrong decision long-term because it's such such a micro event and such a macro sport. To me, the question is, what is the most enjoyable baseball for fans to watch? Are fans going to fall in love with decisions that are made in that vacuum where analytics have as much of a say and as much sway as they do? Is baseball the game writ large as good of a game when you have starting pitchers who are going only five and two-thirds innings even when they have the sort of stuff that would have allowed them to stay in for 120 pitches in different years? I think that's a fair question to ask, and I think that the answer, at least among the old crowd of baseball fans, is this is totally ridiculous. Uh, I will not abide. I do not enjoy. Uh, uh, I, I do not like that, Sam. I am. Um, and, I agree with I, that. I, can I, can yeah, I just say it, quickly, it, I totally agree with that, and I myself am a member of that camp. I do not enjoy yeah. the home run, walk, or strikeout game that this has become. But if we want to not... If it, if it needs to be the way it used to be, then we all have to agree they're going to stop firing managers when they lose games because they have, they're making decisions based on what they think are the best ways to win. And unless you create rules that keep them from doing that, it's impossible yep. to ask them not to. That's exactly right. It's what's happened in Major League Baseball. It's a sport that has become ultra-efficient, and they recognize that uh, you, know, you just need a marginal you know, one or two percent different than the, than your opponents, and that's the sort of difference that's going to mean winning a division title. That's going to mean going to a World Series. And listen, the Tampa Bay Rays are not going anywhere. They're run by very smart people. They are a sound organization from top to bottom. The communication between the front office and the manager is really strong. And in a game where these days the front office plays as big of a role as it does. They are going to be good for a while. You have an organization like the Rays that were good enough to make the World Series this year and also have the number one prospect in all of baseball in Wander Franco, a kid who probably at 19 years old could have been in the big leagues this year succeeding and probably will arrive at some point next year and just be another impact player in an organization that has so many already.
Greeny and Jeff passing with you for a couple more minutes. I invite you to be a part of Greeny Nation, by the way, on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It is official. College football is back, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. I will talk with Heather Dinich about college football in about 15 minutes. Right now, we continue with Jeff Passan. Jeff, you'll notice that I spent 15 minutes not asking you about Justin Turner and the coronavirus and everything because <laughs> I just it's not what I want to talk about, and I don't feel like it's what people want to hear about. So, so let me ask you the question in a forward-looking way. What is the significance, in your opinion, of the fact that Turner was on that field yesterday to celebrate, and what, if anything, will come from it? You know, I wrote today that I feel like it's actually kind of representative of America right now in that you have uh, groups of people who uh, believe that this is something worth policing, worth patrolling, worth following protocols for. And then you have some people who don't. And it's interesting that Justin Turner was the guy ultimately who did this because in the middle of the season when there were the outbreaks with the Miami Marlins, St. Louis Cardinals, Justin Turner was the one who reached out to teammates and said, hey, we need to follow these protocols. And that was all with the idea in mind, Greeny, of what happened last night. They did not want to be responsible for the outbreak that caused the shutdown of the Major League Baseball season because they had World Series aspirations. And Justin Turner won that championship and was not going to be stopped from celebrating because uh, his life has become the Los Angeles Dodgers. The New York Mets cast him aside, didn't believe he was worth a million dollars, that he would have gotten in arbitration, signed a minor league contract on February 6, 2014 with the Dodgers and turned himself into an all-star, into a guy who made $50 million, into somebody who's been the heartbeat of this team. And to have a celebration without Justin Turner felt wrong for the Dodgers. Now, is that feeling more important than the health and safety and well-being of those surrounding you? No, but that was a decision that they made, a decision that they're going to live with the consequences of. And I think that in the end, they felt like the consequences of not having Justin Turner there would have been worse for the people in the organization and this person for whom they have so much respect than anything that would have come from him coming out onto the field. Well, it was a fascinating and I, I suppose in a 2020 sense, perfect way to end what was an imperfect but very interesting and exciting season. And I will just say to you, Passon, you and I, I don't know that we even really knew each other before this season began, and I'm still not convinced we've ever been in the same room. Um, but I, I will say that I have really enjoyed this over the course of this year, uh, all, all through April and May and June and July, you were on Get Up With Me practically every day, figuring this thing out, and now all the way to the end. You've done absolutely fabulous work. It's been a pleasure to get to know you. Get some rest, and we will continue this soon. Thank you. Greeny, I'm just glad to know that I made such an impression on you in my one time in Seaport that you literally don't remember it. That's awesome. <laughs> when was... You were... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, my mind was elsewhere that day, passing. <laughs> you could have just gracefully accepted the mistake and moved on. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I'm sincere in all of my thoughts, even if, if my <laughs> recollection is not all that good. Get some rest. You've done great work. I hate waking up in the morning, but I will get up for you every damn day. All right. You're the best. Thank you. It's Jeff Passan, who really does 
do terrific work. And, and uh, contrary to what he says, I'm still not convinced we've ever been in the same room. And so, Bubba, you've known me now how many years? Bubba, how many years, hashtag Bubba, have you worked with me? Uh, ten years. Ten years. So do you believe his recollection that he was in studio with me once and I don't remember it? Or my recollection, which is that I, I think he misremembers and that we've never been in the same room? Um, I believe his recollection. And, and, and you base that on what? I mean, what would you be basing that on? Well, I think um, when someone meets you, that's a, that's a memorable moment. So I think Jeff is not going to forget meeting you. So I think if he's at the seaport, he's not going to forget meeting you. He's just as memorable. He's a memorable man. He's, he, is looks, he? he looks less like, like he writes. Like when he, we first hired him, I saw that we had hired Jeff Pass, and I was excited because I'd been reading his stuff for a long time. And I didn't know what he looked like. And, and then he, he pops up on the TV one day and I said, wow, that's Jeff Pass. And he, he's, he doesn't look the way he writes, but he is very good. And I enjoyed it very much. And again, I'm not convinced that we've ever met, but um, I enjoy the give and take. And I'm looking forward to hearing what everybody thinks of my perspective on the manager's decision last night. I also want to remind you that for a chance to win 10 grand plus a virtual meet and greet with the Dan Lebitard Show gang, you should text Lebitard to 77333. Advance your auto at Advance Auto Parts. Limit one entry per day. See AdvanceAutoParts.com. For details, coming up next, Heather Dinich will join me. Very important news from the Big Ten. And it isn't good. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. It is half past the hour. I am Greeny. This is ESPN Radio. If you're just joining me, well, you've missed a lot. So listen to the podcast later because we had an outstanding 20-minute conversation with Jeff Passan about why absolutely everyone has it wrong on the World Series game last night, and Hembo and I have it right. So I think you'll enjoy that. You can check out our podcast every single day. The show becomes a podcast. Hashtag Greenie is the name of the show, and you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. So joining me now on the, the um, Shell Penzoil performance line is a, a woman whose vacation this past summer I positively ruined. So Heather Dinich, who is our outstanding college football insider, tried to take a vacation this summer at exactly the same time that all of this news about the conference is coming and going and back and there and forth. All of those things were breaking. And so every single day I asked her as a favor 
to come on the show. And as it turned out, I think she was on Get Up every single morning the entire week of her vacation. Heather Dinich, is that an accurate description of the vacation you had this summer? That sounds about right, Greeny. But you know what? It's my fault for trying to take a vacation during the most newsworthy week of the summer. And you know what? The Big Ten's at it again, my friend. It's just another day at the office. Correct. And, and so catch everyone up who is just joining us. I, I gave your news right off the top of the show. But for those who are just joining us, what is the latest out of Wisconsin? So the latest is 12 positive tests, including six student athletes, six staff members, including head coach Paul Christ, will lead to canceling the Nebraska game on Saturday. That means that it will be determined a no contest. It will not be made up because, as everyone remembers, they're trying to play eight games in eight weeks, and there's no margin for flexibility here. Right. So all games that don't get played as scheduled, the plan is that they will be canceled. Now, Wisconsin has players testing positive and they have protocols. Correct me if I'm not getting this right. That suggests if you test positive, you can't play for 21 days. Do I have that right? So this is not going to be a one week problem. No, it's not. But it's important to understand the reason behind the fact that players cannot return any sooner than 21 days. First, it's 10 days of self-isolation per CDC guidelines. Paul Christ and any staff members and coaches in the league have to do that as well. After that, the student-athletes have to go through cardiac testing, right? Then they have to be cleared by a cardiologist to return to play. And then after that, Greeny, and this is what's important and I feel like people are missing and not giving enough appreciation to, it is a return-to-play progression. The idea behind that is, look, as the Big Ten is saying, we're not going to just throw kids out there on the field to start a game after they haven't done anything for over 10 days some of whom may have been symptomatic and actually sick. So what they're doing is say you start off with some light exercise while you're waiting for your cardiac test. If you feel okay, you can do the elliptical, the bike, whatever it might be, and then we're going to gradually get you into game shape so that it hasn't been more than a week, two weeks of doing nothing, and then boom, you've got to go start a Big Ten football game against Michigan. So those are their rules, and they're putting that as their priority, and I respect them for it. And you know that I'm an alum of a Big Ten institution, and the first and foremost and only concern should, of course, be everyone's safety and health and well-being. But there, I'm sure, are the cynical who are listening to this conversation right now, Heather, and saying Wisconsin's not playing this weekend. And two weeks ago, Nick Saban got the coronavirus at 5 o'clock and he was back coaching again at 6 o'clock or something mm-hmm. that felt kind of close to that. So those, mm-hmm. thi- those things seem incongruous. Explain how those two things work together and, and, and people who are cynical shouldn't be. Well, it's certainly right to say what's the difference there. Fair question. The difference is two different beliefs in testing systems. In the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12, they are not doing daily antigen testing. Now, the Big 12 does it on Friday, but that's what got Baylor in trouble. They got on a plane with a false negative, and then they had an outbreak, right? And that was a daily testing issue for them. Now, what the Big 10 is doing is daily antigen testing combined with using a PCR test, which is still the most reliable per the scientists, to confirm those tests. And the belief is that daily antigen testing will significantly reduce the contact tracing so you don't have, in theory, what we saw at Florida, where you have double digits of players and coaches 
out and you have to pause, not just because of the positive test, but because of the quarantine, the contact tracing. And don't forget, you know, everybody's, you know, talking about 21 days. If you quarantine in any other league, you're out for 14 days at least, right? Right. So that's, that's the difference. And so with the PCR test, the three negatives that Saban got within a 24-hour span said that the first one was a false positive. And that's unique. That's unique to the SEC. So everyone's this is college football, and we learned that this summer. The parts of it that I didn't understand, you explained to me that everyone is kind of operating within their own little silos, and the Big Ten has placed upon itself, and again, I think commendably or something like that, um, the, the strictest guidelines, at least as I understand them. And, and But it does beg the question, they've all played one game, and here we have our first cancellation. Is there reason, can you make me feel optimistic that they will get through the overwhelming majority of a season in that conference with these rules? <laughs> I cannot. No, I cannot make you feel optimistic. By the way, I'm dressing as Maleficent for Halloween this year. So oh. I, I, if, the, if the horns fit. Look, we're talking about spikes right now in every state in the Big Ten. Basically, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. Um, I, I'm not a doctor, but I, there's no way I can sit here and tell you that there's a positive outlook on this. Like you said, the Big Ten is two games into the season, and the second game just got canceled for Wisconsin, and that counts for Nebraska, too. They can't make this up. So, um, you know, I don't know, Greedy. I mean, we have to see how many games – Everyone gets in across all leagues because we're heading into November, December, January, cold and flu season, and, and all signs indicate this isn't getting any better. So it's a wait and see, but I certainly can't sparkle any fairy dust and make it seem better than it is. My daughter, Nikki, was scared to death of Maleficent. I can't even, I can't even say it. She was so frightened. We had a book that, that the picture of, of that character was on the back of the book, and that book had to be taken from her room when she was about five or six years old because she was so scared of the picture. So whatever happens, uh, don't trick-or-treat her on my house. Uh, she has okay. had a dinner. Outstanding work. I will, I will ruin your morning tomorrow morning with an early wake-up call. Thank you very much, Heather, as always. Sounds good. Thanks. That's Heather Dinich, Outstanding. And Greeny is with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier with Progressive's Home Quote Explorer. Quote and buy all online at Progressive.com. I hate that story. I, I hate that. I, if you were with me at the beginning of the show, I told you that days like today are the reason I came back to do radio because there's so much going on. And I want to talk about managers making pitching changes. And I want to talk about was it Brady or Belichick. And I want to talk about how Trevor Lawrence should handle not wanting to play for the team that has the worst record. And I want to talk about is Baker Mayfield better without Odell Beckham. These are sports conversations and these are topics I want to talk about. We will cover this stuff when we have to. And, and in this case, I think we have to. Because I don't know if the Big Ten's going to make it. And there are a lot of people that want to see it happen and a lot of people interested in it, including me. And so we will continue to talk about it. But just know, given my druthers, I feel like yelling at Buster only about a pitching change last night, which is exactly what I'm going to do next. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. 
superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Strike three called! Frozen with a fastball! And the Los Angeles Dodgers have won the World Series for the first time since 1988. That's how it sounded last night right here on ESPN Radio as the Dodgers take out the Rays in a night filled with all kinds of controversy both during and after the game. And it's time now for some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And here to deliver it is my friend Robert Stanberry, only the third you know him as Buster. Hello again, Buster. And let's go over all of the territory that everyone hasn't heard us go over quickly because uh, I have a few new things I want to ask you. But was, is there any question in your mind that Kevin Cash did the wrong thing last night in yanking Blake Snell when he did? Yeah, he absolutely did the wrong thing. And I called around to some analy- analytically driven front offices today, got their feedback, and they said, yeah, even if you're looking at the numbers – what you saw in front of you should have told you you should have left him in the game. To strike out Mookie Betts and Corey Seager and Justin Turner six times in six at-bats told you how great his stuff was last night. Yeah, and so again, I opened this show today by rattling off all these numbers that Hembo gave me of why it was a decision that at least the numbers would justify. Let's put that to the side for a minute. I've heard people say that this might cause, because of the outcry from this, that it might actually cause some sort of reckoning in the role that analytics play in baseball going forward. What does that even mean, and do you think that there's anything to that? Well, first off, analytics aren't going away. They're only going to become more pervasive. But I do think there is a larger conversation that actually has started within the sport of how analytics are making baseball less entertaining. You know, the, leading to this parade of relievers we're seeing night after night after night. I had a general manager say to me about a month ago, we need someone in central baseball to rescue us from ourselves. The numbers might make sense, but in terms of the product of baseball, it's diminishing it. And I think we saw an example of that last night. Instead of Blake Snell having a Sandy Koufax or Bob Gibson or Madison Bumgarner night, he gets pulled out because of the analytics. And that is a concern. Well, that's the most interesting part of it is that Koufax and Gibson are generations ago, but Bumgarner is like 15 minutes ago. So I'm completely with you. What what could they do? What what would that even mean? If they wanted to legislate some way of getting this out of the sport, what would that even be? 
I hear this a lot from people in front offices. They, they believe that the, uh, the preeminence of starting pitchers needs to be reestablished. Um, and my own idea is that you make a rule that, uh, you know, in a given game, a manager is limited to four pitchers uh, with exceptions, obvious exceptions for injury and for blowouts, something like that. Hmm. Because you need those guys to be, you know, the Hulk Hogan's of your sport, the headliners of your sport. You know, you need to be excited about a, a matchup of Kershaw and Bumgarner in October instead of these openers and, and nine relievers that folks are not going to remember in two years. I agree. It, it also has led to a, a complete diminution of offense in the sport because yep. you've, you're going to bring four guys out in a row who are all throwing 100 miles an hour and it's going to be impossible to hit them. Straight talk, wireless, no contracts, no compromise. So, Buster, how, how would you put a ribbon on this season? You and I talked the day it started. We had no idea where it would go. There were some bumps in the road. They got to the finish line. They had the crazy finish last night with, you know, a classic second guess of the manager, which is great for baseball. And then one of the World Series heroes running out onto the field with the coronavirus, which is obviously less great. So how do you put a how do you put a ribbon on everything that happened over the last four months? And remember, I'm the one who said at the outset of this, zero percent chance to get to the end of the World Series based on what I was hearing from folks at the team level. And obviously, I was very wrong. And for Major League Baseball, for the players uh, to get through a 60 game season and the postseason, what an incredible success. Uh, You know, they all deserve uh, to feel really good about that. But I will tell you that (laughs) that there are storm clouds on the horizon. And what I keep on hearing from folks in front offices, you ain't seen nothing yet compared to, uh, you know, when you think about the dysfunction of this year, the ugly negotiations. And while it feels good in this moment they got through this, it is going to be a long, cold winter. In particular because of what? Because of the fact there's no resolution, there's no uh, knowledge at this point, as Hal Steinbrenner said last week on the Michael K. show, no one knows when they're going to be fans in the stands. And so the fact is, as agents have told me, the fact that in recent days teams have been laying off a lot of the folks in their ticket offices tells you everything about what they expect could happen. And remember, if they're going to play again next year under the current circumstances, they again, the two sides, players in Major League Baseball, would have to negotiate and that's going to be after a, a free agent period in which the numbers on the financial landscape are expected to take a big downward turn. It is going to be a difficult winter. Okay. Well, you'll be there to cover it for me. I have no doubt of that. Buster, thank you, my friend. I will see you soon. Thanks, Granny. All right. There's Buster only with me there with that sort of dour um, you know, finish to what I think has to be deemed a success. Let's just take a day to celebrate it. Let's take one day to celebrate what they did. Because Buster said 0% chance, and I didn't say that, but I would be lying to you if I said I thought this would happen, or at least I wouldn't have bet it would happen. I don't know what percent chance I would have put on it in July, but it would have been less than 50-50. And I remember having a conversation with my staff on Get Up about a week. How long was it into the season that they started having those first positive tests? Was it like two or three days, right? Some tests started coming out. St. Louis, I think it was, and the Marlins, and all this stuff started getting moved around, and I thought to myself, they're either going to go in a bubble or they're never going to make it. Well, until the playoffs, they didn't go in a bubble, and they made it. We got to the finish line last night, and we got a, a legitimate and exciting World Series. 
So let's take at least one day to celebrate that before all of the mess begins again. Uh, We have much more to do here as we continue. I'm delighted that you're with me, Graziano, with the latest on football trades next. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.